with the news on Tuesday that the AAF has decided to suspend indefinitely all football operations after just eight weeks of play, we are now just down to two professional football leagues. As we welcome you to this 334th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris, Mike Jansen and the boss, Chris Flukes with you. Um, We are broadcasting, it would be Tuesday, the 2nd of April. I was supposed to have a meeting yesterday, but we decided nothing can nothing good can come out of a meeting on April Fool's Day, so we moved it to today. Um, had a good meeting. Chris worked today, so we're coming to you not in our usual capacity, but I think we'll be fine when it's all said and done. We've got a lot of things to talk about. Um, the big news, obviously, today um, is, as I mentioned, after just eight weeks, two weeks from completing the regular season, two weeks away, and the AAF has decided enough is enough. Tom Dundon, Chris tells me, um, he is his day job is he is the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes in the National Hockey League. Are they going to see the postseason? I don't think so. I think they're going to fall short. It's it's just so tight between Montreal, Columbus, and right. Carolina, and right. they're all pushing it. Uh, Carolina, because of that storm surge after they win, is the kind of the fun team this year right. so it'd be neat to see what they could do in the playoffs well for sure but uh like i said his day job is he is the owner of the carolina hurricanes he's the guy that gave the league one quarter of a billion dollars after they were in trouble of not making payroll after week number one so here we are in week number eight two weeks away from completing their inaugural season and they won't quite get there and you know the saddest thing about all this to me on a purely you know, you know me, on a purely sarcastic thing. The all-time winningest coach now in the history that'll go down in the history books. It'll be a one-page history book. But in the AAF, the all-time winningest coach will now go down in history as Steve Spurrier with a 7-1 and record with the Orlando team. And I don't know where I read this today real briefly, but for some reason, I don't know why, something with their insurance, I don't know what it was, but the Orlando team had to go to some place in Georgia to practice. So this is a black eye for the AAF. Uh, There's no question about that. Charlie Ebersol, in my opinion, Chris may have another opinion and I'll get the boss in here in a minute, but Charlie Ebersol seemed hell bent on getting his league started a year ahead of Vince McMahon and his 2.0 version of the XFL, which is supposed to come out this time next year, right after the Super Bowl. And uh, obviously they missed some things. Bill Polian was the uh, the guy today as the face of the AAF who addressed the media, uh, stating that he was disappointed that Mr. Dundon decided to pull the plug after eight weeks. Um, the reason that billionaires become billionaires is that when their business entities go down the toilet, they know when to get out. And that's why. Um some preliminary numbers that I have seen, their numbers weren't bad. They're, they had a rating of, I don't know what the rating is, but they had what I read today, real briefly, between four and 500,000 people a weekend were watching their games. So it wasn't obviously the National Football League numbers, but four to 500,000 on a weekend to watch, you know, I don't know what we can call this. I mean, it's not, it is technically professional football, I get that, but it's 
not NFL quality. Minor league. Minor leagues. I mean, yeah. Do you want to call it? I don't know. I don't know, but no, it's 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 professional football. Is it's the professional football. Term. They're getting paid, no question. I did learn today that the first year they make eighty thousand, the second year they make ninety thousand, and the third year they make a hundred grand. That's how they divvy up the salaries. But it really doesn't make any difference because years two and three at this point look to be lost to the heavens above as we bring in the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Luke. And Chris, I know he's got some interesting uh, ideas and some uh, opinions he'd like to share about the AAF. And uh, one person that has to really be enjoying, well, there's got to be two people that are enjoying this. Jane Goodell's husband and Mr. Vince McMahon has got to be enjoying the news that the AAF has decided to suspend business operations after eight weeks. I'm not sure if Roger Goodell would, because with the NFL uh, and their website even promoting well, he's the just AF, an idiot, so I well, always... Well, yeah, you know. no, for sure. He doesn't have really human emotions, though. So, But anyway, I don't think the NFL minds the AAF uh, succeeding at all, and they seem to be pushing and promoting them, so clearly there was no animosity there. But uh, I saw a great tweet from the great running back, Arian Foster, this week, and it was uh, somebody asked on Twitter to... What are just to say? What are two sentences that you've learned as an adult that you would tell your younger self? And he said, "No one knows what they're doing, and no one knows what they're doing." Those, the, you had the same one for both. That's great. And yeah. and I have to say, I I totally agree with that. And when you when you see this here, that you know Charlie Ebersol does a documentary on the original XFL. And then Vince decides to remake it, and then Charlie thinks, "Oh, not only am I gonna am I gonna remake what you and my dad did, but I'm gonna beat you to it." We can really see how clearly ridiculous and how poorly planned this was, and how he just went in head first. And he's a young guy; he's like my age, and he just he didn't he was in over his head, even with the NFL on board and not making a an antagonistic relationship like Vince did with the original XFL in 2001, like working with them, getting some great people from them and players from them like who's on their board troy polamalu and all these guys right right and and then they don't even make it through a few games without needing a quarter billion dollar cash injection from tom dundon and then that only gets them through another couple of weeks this is unbelievable i mean this is just a complete farce when it comes to business and sports and you name it and i didn't think uh, that there was any way that they would be uh, more pathetic than the original XFL, especially when the original XFL started just, they knew they were on their way out and they just started basically turning it into an episode of Monday Night Raw. And they had The Rock and people doing backstage sketches. And it was just ridiculous. And yet, I find that this is actually worse because at least the XFL had some fun things and had some neat things and had some innovative things. And they actually made it through their first season. So this is totally, totally ridiculous. And anyone who had any decision-making power or any sort of financial investment where they got to control their money uh, should be just absolutely ashamed of themselves. Good for Tom Dundon for maybe he went in and thinking like, oh, they can't be that pathetic, especially if I have all this money to give them. But good for him for seeing how pathetic the finances and the accounting and the organization of this thing must have been for him to pull the plug already. But what just a complete farce. This is why the general public loses 
any sort of faith in business and in corporate Canada and corporate America and why they just think that it's just a bunch of stupid fat cats who have no idea what they're doing and just getting lucky. And this would seem to prove that right. This is not going to do anything to help the average fan or the average citizen have any more faith in the ridiculous, pathetic people who just get lucky and screw everything up and are totally incompetent and should not have a job or any money in the first place. Well, now that the league looks to be history um, after just eight weeks, as I mentioned quickly in the open, the all-time leader in the AAF in coaching wins will go down as my favorite idiot, Steve Superior. His real name, of course, is Steve Spurrier, uh, the coach of the Orlando team with seven wins. The all-time leading passer will be a guy by the name of Garrett Gilbert from Orlando, 2,152 yards. Rush yards will be, I can't even say this guy's name, Jarrell Presley from Arizona. But here's a name, bat blast from the past. The the rushing all-time in the AAF for rushing touchdowns will go down, and this uh, will be, I don't know what award we could give, bonehead of the year, Trent Richardson. <laughs> of the University of Alabama. Let's see, he was originally with the Cleveland Browns, went to the Indianapolis Colts, went to the Oakland Raiders, went to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders here in uh, the Canadian Football League, and he will go down as the all-time leader in rush touchdowns in the AAF with 11. Here's where all the Packers' talent went. Former wide receiver of the Packers, his name is Charles Johnson. He goes down as the all-time leader in receiving yards with 687 for the Orlando team. And J. Ron Elliott, he's a former defensive end for the Packers, pretty much a special teamer, but he goes down as the all-time leader in sacks with 7.5. So those are some of your leaders. Um, I thought I got a kick out of uh, uh, that running back, Trent Richardson. If he would thought... <laughs> he, he was struggling with $80,000 a year when he was playing in Canada. And uh, now he's going to be making zero uh, as he tried to resuscitate his career again in the AAF. But uh, it's difficult uh, for me. I mean, here's, a, here's an opportunity for a bunch of good football players. I mean, there's a lot of good football players that don't make it onto an NFL roster just because there's only so many roster spots. And here was an opportunity with the AAF and the XFL coming in uh, a year from now, an opportunity for more players to, you know, uh, get to get to play their dream, get to do what they like to do. And, and uh, now one of these leagues looks like they're toast after just eight weeks. So I don't know. We uh, If we hear anything or we uh, run into anything or anybody, we'll certainly keep you updated. But uh, this does not look good for the AAF. And I'm... I, I, I don't know, obviously, I don't know Charlie Ebersol from Dick Ebersol, but this is really a black eye. And again, Chris had made mention that here's a guy who did a documentary. Here's a guy that was around when he watched Mr. McMahon and his father form the XFL the first time. He should have learned from the mistakes. And ultimately, after eight weeks, his league is now toast. We do have some breaking news before I get Chris back in here. Russell Wilson is in the headlines just in the last five minutes. Mm -hmm. As Russell Wilson has told his bosses of the Seattle Seahawks football club that he wants a new deal by April 15th, and uh, if he doesn't get it, he's going to take his ball and go home. He's scheduled to only make $17 million in 2019, 
and he wants a new contract by April 15th. And I'm trying to figure out what the story doesn't tell you, you know, what he's threatening with, but he has told, and I would imagine this would be to be John Carroll or John Schneider, the general manager, Pete Carroll, the coach, that he wants a new deal by April 15th. Uh, to be honest, I well, I hadn't heard any about anything about this, but no, it just came up. Yeah, uh, this doesn't. How you think about it, this doesn't surprise me at all. Because as as overpaid as professional athletes are, if I really think about it, if there's one guy that has a legitimate claim a couple times to uh, you know being underpaid, it would be Russell Wilson. Oh yeah, and and that's not even factoring in that he plays on a team where he's at this point one of the only good players, and somehow makes magic happen. I mean, he is probably the most magical player in the NFL. When it, If you had to take one guy, just pull a miracle out of his ass in some different way, uh, it really, it's Russell Wilson. He, he really is amazing. And if you look at it, he took them to back-to-back Super Bowls appearances, winning the first one and right. should have won the second one, uh, on a rookie contract, making nothing, making by NFL standard, making less than a million a year. Then he finally gets... You know, a deal, and he is truly one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL. Easily, I mean, easy top ten without even thinking about it. Oh, yeah. Probably top five, and now he's making half what these other guys are making. You know, half to two thirds of what these other guys are making, whether it's Aaron or all these other guys. So I can see how, in both cases, he's got to be like, look, <laughs> I I am not getting market value for what I'm doing. I seriously doubt there's anything else. I don't think that there's any other problem that he has, and maybe there is. But even if there is, the fact remains that on the numbers and looking at the market, he has been underpaid repeatedly throughout his career. And as much as I don't like the Seahawks, I have to admit Russell Wilson's a great player, seems like a good guy. And man, he has been underpaid, and there's no mathematical argument against that. I wonder if... um Remember the the news for years in regard to the New England Patriots and Tom Brady. Um, regardless how you feel about Tom Brady, um, there's also there is always to me has always been kind of a you know why isn't Tom with five or six or whatever it is now six I guess six Super Bowl rings why he isn't the highest paid player in the league? Well, he looks at it a little differently because. Giselle, his wife, makes more than he does, so he can take take one for the team to acquire some more talent. I wonder if Russell Wilson is thinking along the same lines. I don't think so from putting a demand that he wants a new deal in the next 13 days. <laughs> it took the Packers a year and a half to negotiate Rodgers' new deal, which makes him the highest paid player in the league. But the reason I go back to this with in regard to Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson has a very talented and beautiful wife, too that makes more than he does. Sierra. I wonder. I don't think so. I don't think he'd be, if he was looking to give the hometown discount, I don't think he would tell Seahawks management that he wants a new deal in the next 13 days. But he doesn't say, I just read the story real quick while Chris was giving us a little analysis there, but um, he doesn't say, like, he won't report or he won't do anything like that, but he wants... The only thing so far being reported out of Seattle is that he wants a new deal in the next 13 days. Good luck. Um, if you are just joining us, and I just do this now for my my certain friend that doesn't like when I do this, but I welcome you to episode number 334 of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. 
Mike Jansen, Chris Fluke with you as always. A lot of things to talk about. We're kind of hitting the big, uh, the big ticket items here on this 334th episode of our little program. Um, would like to thank all of you. Um, Chris just informed me before we went on air today that we had our best month of downloads, correct? Yeah. Downloads, the best month we've had this last month. So thank you very much to everybody out there in unscripted land. Chris's hard work, my perseverance, <laughs> mm-hmm. let's stay with Chris's hard work, uh, is starting to pay off. And, and obviously we have all of you folks to thank for that. Uh, the Greggs of the world, the Ryans of the world. Um, there's also a very nice lady that I need to make mention of that has been leaving nice comments on the Patreon page and putting likes on the Patreon page. And I wish I could remember her name. I don't remember my name okay. some days. Jenez Harris. That's it. You got to remember her too when we're rattling off the people that have been instrumental in uh, getting us to where we are here in episode 334. So to all those people and a lot of others, I thank you truly from the bottom of my heart. Um, do you remember where your picks stand right now as I switch gears going over to the men's, the National Communists Against Athletes basketball tournament that has gone from 68 and now they're down to four? Do you remember? Uh, you know what? I haven't even looked who I had in my final four, but let me tell you, I believe my final is uh, Virginia beating Michigan State, which is still alive. As Absolutely. A possibility. My winner is Virginia. I, I had... Uh, uh, I did not have Michigan State advancing as far as they have, and that's great news for our Vancouver, Vancouver easy for me to say, bureau chief, Sean Dode. He is a uh, passionate Michigan State Spartan fan, and uh, they are still in, in the running. Texas Tech will play Michigan State. Virginia will take on Auburn. And I have Virginia winning it all, so I'm happy to say that the Cavaliers are still involved. I'm very happy to say that the Dukies are out. Very happy about that. Remember this, folks. Chris picked it right. Duke should have been out in round one. Should have lost to UCF. They got lucky to to survive UCF. They've had a bunch of close calls, and Michigan State finally caught them in the regional finals. So congratulations to the Spartans and Krzyzewski and all your high-priced talent. All four of them, I believe. Obviously, Zion Williams and R.J. Barrett are going to the pros. I don't know about the point guard, Jones. He could play in the pros. His brother currently plays point guard for the Minnesota Timberwolves. And Cam Reddish, I don't know about him, but that unbelievably talented four for Michigan. And this is what makes it so impressive, going back to 1993, and I'm aging myself here, and a lot of people hated these guys, me included. The Michigan Fab Four with Chris Weber and Jalen Rose and Ray uh, the hell, Ray Jackson and I uh, can't remember, King was his name, but I can't remember his first name. Those were the guys that made the great run with those great Michigan teams, and they did it as five freshmen. The four freshmen from Duke came up a couple of games short. So um, I'm happy. I'm really happy when Duke is out. They've been overrated since week one. They lost six games for the regular season and still got a one overall seed in the tournament. Karma's a bitch, folks. That's why Duke's going to be watching the basketball instead of playing basketball this weekend in Minneapolis. Yeah, I don't remember how I decided to select Virginia over Michigan State because I'll be cheering for Michigan State. Even if that is the final, I I do want Sean to cash his futures bet that, that I placed for him in Vegas at the, uh, at where I was at New York, New York, I think, where I 
posted that. And so, yeah, actually, so I've only ever made one bet in Vegas, and I bet I put five bucks on that over and over under Steelers Falcons game. It was I bet over fifty seven point five, and the total was fifty eight. So I just got it. And so instead of actually sending it in to get it cashed, I've just I decided to because it's nine bucks for winning or whatever. So I just decided to keep it, and I'll just like that's my I'm undefeated in betting in Vegas. I, I was I, I about the um, the four teams that are left. I think a lot of people's heartstrings, their emotions, or whatever are going to be behind the Auburn Tigers. Um, Auburn's first ever trip to the Final Four. They beat conference rival Kentucky to get to the Final Four. Bruce Pearl has a connection to Wisconsin, so he's automatically in my, you know, in my uh, good books. Bruce Pearl took the University of Wisconsin Panthers to the NCAA tournament a couple of years ago. That's in a Horizon League school. And, he, and then he went on to Tennessee. Then he got in trouble at Tennessee for having the barbecues with players. They didn't think that they were supposed to do that. That led to his dismissal at Rocky Top. And we know Tennessee in, in hiring and firing coaches, it, you know, they're idiots. Um, but I was really happy for Auburn. I was happy for Charles Barkley, who got to pour salt in an open wound when Auburn beat North Carolina State. And Charles Barkley's buddy that sits next to him on the TNT uh, podium, Kenny Smith from North Carolina. I was happy to see that for Barkley, but I was really happy to see Auburn because Auburn lost their center in the uh, uh, the game that would take them to the uh, uh, Sweet 16. He blew out his knee, if you remember. And Bruce Pearl was just a mess. And Bruce Pearl was crying for this kid. Um, the kid wasn't even supposed to show up for the game. And Autumn, he, somebody, he just had to be there. Somebody wheeled him in a wheelchair courtside. There's just a lot of good stories there about the Auburn Tigers, and I'm happy for that. It's nice to see some different faces. Texas Tech, never been there. Most famous for being Cliff Kingsbury's alma mater. You know, we, we know what Cliff Kingsbury's doing in Arizona. He's about to really screw them up. And it was nice to see Auburn in there. You still got the heavyweights, MSU and Virginia. Ultimately, I think it will be MSU and Virginia. Uh, battling for the championship on Monday night, but nice to see some different faces in the crowd at the NCAA tournament. You know, it, it got to be, for a while there, it, it it kind of became the Big Ten and the ACC over Final Four weekend. Michigan State was in there every year. Wisconsin was in there for a while. And obviously, you've always got Duke and North Carolina representing the ACC. So it was nice to see some different blood, if you will, this weekend playing ball, big-time ball, at the new Viking Stadium in Minneapolis. Yeah, I think I might have picked Virginia to win because it's weird to have a number one seed uh, at the starting role in a redemption story, but after being the first true number one or any number one to ever lose in the first round to a 16, uh, you know, after they lose to UMBC, it would be nice to see them come back. And I mean, that was pretty embarrassing for them. And so to, to come back this year, and if they could, you know, win it all, or at the very least they made it to the Final Four, I think that's a nice story and uh, Michigan State yeah basically just cheering for them for uh, for our buddy Sean and uh, I'm still proud even if they lost I'm still proud of the UCF pick over Duke damn right yeah I love that one so <laughs> I'm happy there you gotta like what's going on down there in Central Florida the campus in, in, based in Orlando Florida their football team has been 
you know, beaten the odds for the last couple of seasons. There was a coaching change and nothing happens. Nothing changes. They just keep winning football games. And now Johnny Dawkins has taken this basketball program to unprecedented heights. And, and realistically, folks, they should have made more of a, a dent in this tournament. I really believe with those two cracks in the last two seconds, they should have beaten Duke way back in, in the first round of this tournament. So good on UCF. Whatever they're doing down there, keep it going. And keep screwing with the big boys. It's always nice. Keep screwing with the big boys. Um, one quick thing, though, before we get out of here. Um, I do want to, you know, I make fun of women's athletics sometimes. And, you know, I, I you know, just being a show-off or a jackass or something. But I was sorry to see the news that I heard. Actually, the first time I heard it was last night during the Flames-Kings game, and I got a comment, but I think I'll save that for episode 335 in regard to Jonathan Quick, who I used to think was the greatest goaltender of all time, and he won me big money in 2012 and 2014, but last night he looked like shit against a watered-down Flames team that had rested six regulars last night because they had clinched the night before in San Jose. But I do need to send... I don't know if you send condolences, but you send something to the Canadian Hockey, Canadian Women's Hockey League as they uh, made the announcement. They may have made it prior, but I heard about it first last night that uh, they are shutting down. After 15 years, they are folding on, on May the 1st, and they may not feel that so much in the United States, but they certainly will feel that here in Canada because... Canadian women's hockey is a huge thing in Canada. They've got an unbelievably successful Team Canada uh, women's Olympic team that has done unbelievably well over the last, well, the last two decades I've been in Canada. Team Canada is always at the top of women's hockey. And uh, it's too bad that, you know, the AAF, big deal. I mean, in, in, the, in the grand scheme of things, but there aren't many opportunities for great young women to play hockey at a professional level and get paid for it. And now one of their options has dropped out after 15 years. And that's too bad. I send my condolences, my thoughts and whatever to the players and coaches that have made up this league for 15 years. Obviously you've done something right. If you hang around for 15 years and it's too bad, we won't see a 16. Yeah. But you know what? I keep picturing in my head. I really think, and there's no, I haven't heard any rumblings about this or anything other than Kendall Coyne Schofield at the skills competition in the fastest skater contest. I'm just in my picture. I can completely picture women in the NHL in the next few years. And there's been no talk about this. There's been nothing. I just picture this and maybe that's where it's going. But the problem with women's sports is that there is no women's sport that I can think of where they get significant viewership and attendance compared to the men. Can you think of a single no, sport? No, that, 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 but I will say this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know the gentleman's name. I think his name is Ty, but I don't know his last name. But he has made some changes in the LPGA golf that at least their numbers are getting better. They'll never compare, especially if Tiger's mm-hmm. playing on a weekend. But I do give credit to the new commissioner of the uh, Ladies Professional Golf Association, the LPGA, that their numbers and their purses are getting better. So that's a good thing okay, for women's well, golf. That's that's a good thing, and I can see the women's game being, you know, uh, marketed very well and everything. But there's whether it's that an individual sport or especially team sports, 
they're just I mean it's great that there's an WNBA and it's great that there there's some you know there are some women that if you watch their hockey or their baseball uh it's it's pretty uh, aggressive and and good and, and pretty intense sometimes so uh it it's great that we've gotten this far and it's great that there's women's MMA now and all this and the women in MMA are you know maybe as uh uh, they're maybe the only ones who are being marketed almost on the same level as the guys and their main eventing things. And now in wrestling, you have them main eventing WrestleMania 35, which is great. But the problem is that as a standalone league, because in both those cases, in WWE and in UFC, they're on the same card with the mm-hmm. guys, even if they're not fighting each other, they're still on the same card. So in terms of a standalone, I don't know what the solution is. We'd have to get them to such a great level. But if you get women that are so good that they're, at least when they're playing each other, they look as good as the men. At that point, maybe they start playing the men. And so it's kind of this gray area where how can they be good enough to be in the men's leagues but not be, and then there'd be that many that are that good. And so it's going to be so great that everyone's going to go and watch. It's hard to imagine. The thing is, look, most people just want to see the best of the best. And there's so much content now, and people have such busy lives that you're not going to get even if your action is amazing you're still not going to get there bellator and all these other leagues one fighting championships they're all doing a great job but ufc is the main dog and so if people want to see what's going on everything else feels like the minor leagues even if these other t- leagues have as just as many stars have more money have maybe a b- better international presence in many ways it's still not regarded as the number one brand the brands are ufc and wwe and NFL, and NHL, and NBA, and Major League Baseball, and everyone else is playing for the scraps by comparison on the world stage. And so what are you supposed to do? And I don't, maybe there isn't anything that women can do other than get good enough to play with the men. And I think that's going to happen in hockey in the next few years. And I could be way off, but I can just picture it. And I can almost picture what it's going to feel like if we look back decades and look at what hockey highlights used to look like and there were no women on the ice. And it might seem funny at some point, just as we look back and see Dana White just a few years ago was saying he couldn't picture having women's MMA. So I think that's where we're headed. Uh, first with, I think hockey would be first and then basketball or baseball would be second, uh, in terms of North American sports, I really can't see any reason why the women wouldn't be out there with the men playing soccer. And especially when it comes to things like billiards or darts, like why can't women, I've said this from the very early episodes of unscripted, why couldn't women compete with men when it comes to darts? Yeah. or billiards. I don't know why they couldn't, unless there's just not enough that have taken an interest in it. So I think we're going to see some big changes in the world coming up. And, uh, you know, because honestly, if you want to look at how serious a country is in general, you know, look at their women's rights and how the women thrive. And that's a really good litmus test, litmus test right there. We've got to run on this 334th episode of Unscripted. We thank you so much for joining us and hope that you Certainly continue to do so. We truly appreciate it, and thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Again, I make mention that uh, the boss had told me that February was our biggest download month uh, of our existence. So uh, thank you very much, and please continue to do that. We truly do appreciate it. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.